Hey there, and welcome to the FBCA College Podcast. My name is Connor Torrialba, and I'm the college minister here at First Baptist Church Arlington. This podcast is a recording of our teaching times that happen every Thursday at 7.30 at the Student Center at First Baptist Church Arlington. Last week, we had Dr. Wiles, senior pastor of FBCA, here to teach us. His passage was Mark 4, 1 through 20, on the parable of the sower, asking us the question of what kind of sower are we and what is the condition of our hearts? Unfortunately, due to a technical error, uh, we lost the audio for that week, but we have this week's. This week, we looked at Galatians 5, 13 through 21. The focus was on what it looks like to live out a healthy relationship with God. My goal was to provide a bunch of practical insight and hopefully some lighthearted discussion on the battle between the flesh and the spirit. I hope you find this lesson helpful. I have a question. I posed this question on Discord earlier with an image, and it's worthwhile just to discuss. It's an important theological question, um, and it's this. So let's try to be objective. This is not a popularity contest. This is not who's the cutest. It's who would win in an all-out brawl between these characters. Let's discuss for a second. Let's try to figure it out. There's hot debates happening already. Okay, they're thinking about it. Man. We have never discussed a question more passionately. <laughs> okay. So just to run through it, especially if you're listening to this later, we have a slide here with Toothless the Dragon, we have Pikachu, Captain America, Goku, uh, Iron Man, and Wally. Uh, so who thinks Toothless wins the whole thing? Okay, very few of us. What about Pikachu? He's got thunder powers. Okay, one. All right, what about Captain America? We got two people, okay. Uh, what about Goku? All right, all right, some people know. Uh, what about Iron Man? Iron Man winning the whole thing. Okay, some of us. And then we have Wally. I think Okay, we have, it seems like, it seems like we have something of a consensus. We'll talk more about this in a moment. Um, just to tell you, probably just based on power level, Goku would win. Just saying. He can destroy planets. Like, he can destroy planets and realities. So anyway, anyway, uh, point big. Uh, we're in a series on fruitfulness. This is, that's relevant to something later, I promise. Um, so keep in mind that. Keep in mind the truth that we just learned about Goku. Um, but we're in a series on fruitfulness, and we've been talking through how do we live a fruitful Christian life. And uh, our first week, we defined what it means to be fruitful. What is fruitfulness? We've said that it's faithful obedience and patient trust in God for growth. And hopefully, that definition is beginning to stick in your head a little bit. Uh, week two, we talked about how we are known by our fruit. Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, 
how we will, people will know us by our fruit. Our fruit defines us. Week three, we talked about Genesis chapter one, how all the way back in the beginning of the Bible and then all the way through the Bible, this illustration of fruit is used and how we're designed for fruitfulness. We're designed to expand the goodness of God into his creation. Last week, Dr. Wiles taught on the parable of the sower and talked about how if we're going to have a fruitful life, we've got to sow broadly. We've got to spread the word to other people and help them know what it really means to follow God. This week, we're in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 21. And our big idea for today is that cultivating a fruitful life is rooted in walking with the Spirit. A lot of this has been kind of theory. Today, I'm hoping that we spend a lot of time and practice, so some practical insight. Um, if you're there, say word. Some of us are getting there. All right. We're in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 21. I'll go ahead and read it. It says this. Paul writes, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against, uh, for the, yeah, for the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit what is against the flesh. These are opposed to one another, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, That's our text for tonight. Um, And it comes to us from... Galatians. Galatians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And I don't know, has, who all has read Galatians? This isn't like a brag moment, just generally. Uh, it's his most aggressive letter. If you read it, it's him being like, look guys, you got to get it together. Um, and so I would encourage you to read it if you're just kind of looking for a new side of Paul a little bit. He kind of gets a little uh, fired up at the beginning of this and goes through it. But his reason for getting so fired up is that these Christians that he helped start up and helped uh, shepherd and disciple, they started getting it in their heads that they needed to adhere to the law or they needed to do additional things in order for God to be pleased with them. Faith is great, sure, Paul, but if we were just a little more faithful to this law thing over here, then God would really, God would really show his favor in our lives. So they're beginning to put their trust not so much in their faith in Jesus, but they're putting their trust in the things that they were doing. Does that make sense? And so Paul gets heated about that. He says, look, that's not what this is about. That's not what we talked about. Um, but we struggle with that same thing from time to time. And it's part of the struggle of even talking about fruitfulness, right? Because it's tempting as we talk about fruitfulness to say, unless I'm producing a whole bunch of disciples or unless I'm you know, starting churches, then I'm failing or something. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what Paul's idea is here either. Paul's central point is that it's about faith and walking with God. You'll see that if you read over the book of Galatians, which I would encourage you to do. You could totally read it over this week. There's one chapter for every day this week. Uh, Read it. Um, This passage, though, is the climax of his argument in this book, I believe. 
And essentially, especially in verse 14, he's saying, look, you want to live out the law so badly. If you want to fulfill the law, do this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to really encapsulate the whole of what God has designed for us to do, it's to love one another. Jesus said, they will know you by your love. They will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And Paul is echoing that here. But I think another thing that we have in common with the Galatians is that we probably want the same thing that they do. And I think we all want this. Uh, We all want a good life and good standing with God. Fundamentally, we want that. Whether you believe in God or you're a Christian, you want to be in, in, in standing with righteousness and justice and doing the right thing. But you also want a good life. You want to be blessed. You want to enjoy this life that you have. We all want the same thing. And the Galatians wanted that too. The problem is that they're confused on how to get there. They think that it's about the law. They think that it's about just the actions that we do. They're depending on their own efforts. And when we do that, that's called depending on the flesh. That's what Paul is talking about here, about the works of the flesh versus the works of the Spirit. And that's not going to do the trick. It's not going to get you in right standing with God, and it's not going to lead to the best life you could live. When we lean on our own understandings and our own efforts, we are leaning on the flesh. Which just means us, right? You're just depending on yourself, then you're leaning on the flesh. However, that's not how God designed for us to live. We're to live connected to him. We've talked about that a lot this past couple of weeks. Uh, and to have his love flowing through us to those around us. Uh, that's what we talked about when we were talking about the good trees versus bad trees. But how do we know if we're living a fruitful life? Well, take a look at this picture. Now, some of you might be impressive, and that's fine. What kind of tree is that? Does anybody know? It's not a magnolia tree. An aloe vera tree? I don't think those are trees. I said at the start of this whole series that, like, I'm not a plant guy. I have no idea. And so the answer, though, and I think actually somebody just called it out, uh, it's an orange tree. Yeah. You know the shape of the leaves. Okay, wow. We got a botanist amongst us. Right. So um, I don't know what, it, what kind of tree is what until we see what kind of fruit it's producing. Right? And Jesus said, or Paul says something similar here as well, that the fruit of the flesh is obvious. A tree becomes obvious based on the fruit we see it producing. And the same is true for our lives. What, what fruit is your life producing? If we continue on in this passage that we just read, in verses, starting in verse 22, there's another list that he gives. And we're going to focus in on this list in particular next week. But we're going to touch on it a little bit here. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit, as opposed to the fruit of the flesh, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Um, And we'll continue on with the rest of that next week. But Paul gives us two lists to look at. The fruit of the flesh, verses 19 through 21, and the fruit of the Spirit. And he's doing this, uh, not just to give us like a description of things, but he's really wanting to paint a picture. In list one, what we see is who we will become if we depend on ourselves. 
And this is true even if you're trying to live, quote unquote, a righteous life. Even if you try to do good deeds in your own power, what will probably inevitably happen is jealousy. I'm doing the right thing, but why are they getting all the blessings? Or envy, maybe even hatred and strife. If you're seeing dissension and factions, those things are born out of selfish ambition. Pretty much everything on this list of the fruit of the flesh has to do with us putting ourselves first. That's what we talked about, right? The, the flesh is, is me-focused. It's depending on me. When we put ourselves first, we'll begin to see these things appear in our lives. We need redemption from this kind of life, from this kind of fruit. We see it popping up. In list two, we see a different set of things. The fruit of the Spirit. And we even talked about it this past Sunday, I believe when Wayne was talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, as I said, we'll study this list in depth next week. But what we can note here is that these fruits aren't self-centered. There's benefits that you get from loving other people. There's, there's, there's a goodness that you enjoy about just having uh, patience with somebody or being a faithful follower of Jesus. There's good things that you get as a byproduct of that, but it's really outward focused. And really, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, what you're reading is a description of Jesus. That's what Jesus is like. What Paul is saying here is that if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to be Christ-like. And the only way that you're going to be Christ-like is if you're relying on the Spirit, not your flesh, not yourself. Are you striving in this life, or are you resting in the Spirit? It's an important question to ask yourself. Paul provides us these two lists as a comparison and a conviction point. It's a little bit of like a mirror. What are you doing? What's your life like? Because here's what Paul is saying. No matter what, we will all live a fruitful life. That's not in question. The thing that is in question is the kind of fruit we will produce. So what kind of fruitful life will you lead? And not even a question of what will you lead, what are you living right now? Because it's easy enough to say, okay, yeah, I should get my act together at some point. At some point, I want to live out the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not there yet, so, but I'll figure it out. I got some time. What are you living right now? And how do you need to turn that over to Jesus to more richly exhibit the fruits of the Spirit? Not to do more. I'm not asking you to do more in that sense. What I'm, what I'm telling you is to rest more in God. We're going to talk about that more here in a minute. Because it's easier said than done, right? How do we get there? How do we get, if we're living over here, we find ourselves producing this fruit. How do we change over here? Well, as I said, I think we all want to live a good life in good standing with God. We all want that. And such a life is marked by love, which is what Paul talks about in verses 13 through 14 and the list in verses 22 through 23. But how do we get there? Well, Paul tells us in verse uh, 16 and 17, he says this, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. So easy. You just got to do that, right? Easier said than done is probably what we are beginning to think. Or maybe we think that that's too good to be true. Because he doesn't just say, 
you have a really good shot at not carrying out the desires of the flesh? He says, you will certainly not. Whoa, there's some certainty behind that. There's some, there's an ultimatum with that. The flesh and the spirit are opposed, but they're not equal. Paul even says that in that very next verse, right? Verse 17 says, For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to one another, so that you don't do what you want to do. You can want to do the things on that list of love, joy, peace, but you might be living out the other. And there's that war within us, right, that we experience. They're opposed to one another, but they're not equal, not by a long shot. I want you to recall our tournament at the beginning of our lesson tonight. We've talked about some characters, right, facing off. And this is my own interpretation. I'm the one that wrote this lesson, so I can pick. Um, I think on the weakest side, we have Wally. Because he's not a fighting character. He's not. Like, he's explicitly a pacifist, right? He does not fight, you know? And then we have Goku, who, like, destroys universes. Right? So you kind of have both ends of the spectrum here. There might be, like, if they got into a fight, you could qualify it as a fight, but <laughs> Goku's going to win at the end of the day, right? But what if Goku surrendered? What if he just gave up because he thought that Wally was stronger than him? I don't understand a chance, right? Then he would lose, right? That's the only scenario where Goku loses this round. It's when Goku misunderstands his own power, he misunderstands what's within him, and he surrenders. When we read passages like this that say, hey, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, and we think, I can't do that, we are misunderstanding the strength of the Holy Spirit. We begin to say, like, well, this is really who I am, this is the Holy Spirit, and this is my flesh. It's going to beat me up. I'm going to face that temptation later, and it's going to beat me up. It's the other way around. That's what the Bible has to say. It's the other way around. I know this is a silly illustration, but this is going to stick in your head. I promise you. You're going to remember this picture. This is a core memory. Uh, The reverse is true. We aren't Goku, but Jesus is. The Holy Spirit within us is able to overcome the flesh that we fight. We're laughing, but we're making it through. Um, But there's, I mean, we laugh at this. It's a a helpful illustration to understand the power differences here. But I think that, again, we still face that battle within us. And it's hard. Like, I'm not trying to trivialize that. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors ever. I have most of the books he's ever written. And there's a paragraph of his that's a little lengthy, but we're going to get through it, uh, that he has in Mere Christianity that I think is really, really helpful. Um, And it comes to mind to me whenever I'm, I'm facing temptation or whatever. And he says, No man knows how bad he is until he has tried very hard to be good. A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. And this is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, You find out the strength of the German army by fighting against it, not by giving in. And C.S. Lewis was writing around the time of World War II, and he fought in World War I. Uh, You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives into temptation after five minutes 
simply does not know what would have been what it would have been like in an hour. This is why very bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. They never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it in Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows the full who knows to the full what temptation means, the only complete realist. There's a lot in that. But do you find yourself, when it comes to temptation, actually resisting and actually asking for the Holy Spirit to help you? Or do you try to fight it in your own flesh and lose the battle and just think you're not strong enough? Rely on the Spirit. Paul is saying you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. The Spirit's way stronger, but you've got to rely on it. You've got to rest in it. You've got to walk with it. So how do we walk by the Spirit? How do we say no to these things? The first step is to turn to Jesus. And what I mean by that is that you can't walk by the Spirit if you're not a Christian yet. If you haven't made the decision to turn your life over to Christ fully, this next part of this is going to be some interesting advice, but not applicable to you. You can't access the power of the Holy Spirit without a relationship with Jesus first. The exciting thing is, is that many of you are beginning to make that decision. Many of you have made that decision or are wanting to walk further in it. And tonight, if you haven't made that decision yet, you can make that decision for Christ. This is just helpful advice. Any healthy relationship, has, and this is not just a dating relationship, but it's also friendships. You have periods of regular connection, just like catching up, memorable moments, things that tie you together, and then deeper trust over time. That's what you should have. In any good friendship, any good relationship, it's marked by these three things. And the same is true for a healthy relationship with God. But how do we have these moments with God? Let's talk through it a little bit. I think there's four key things that come into place, and this is all related to what Paul is saying here of walk by the Spirit. This is how we do that. It's not just a a fuzzy word that he's saying here. It's, It's a real reality to this. Um, are you walking through life with God or are you just checking in and leaving him behind? There's a difference. There's an important difference. Hear me out. Just a spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you to read your Bible more. I just am. Okay? And so if you're like, oh man, I've heard that before. Well, keep listening for a little bit. Um, Because what I want to talk about is just the healthy diet of a growing Christian. The first thing is daily connection. Daily connection. And this is important because it's that moment of, ch- of saying, hey God, good morning. How are you? Let's keep going, right? Let's, let's get on this train together. Um, are you taking daily time to read your Bible and pray? And I'm not just talking about this from a standpoint of reading a chapter and doing that, but it's more about inviting God into your life that day. If you're not sure how to have a quiet time, if you're not sure how to have a Bible reading with God, let me take you through my method. This is how I have my quiet time. I start with a passage I'm going to read, and maybe it's a couple chapters, maybe it's one chapter, maybe it's just a few verses that morning. I'm reading through the book of Romans right now. So what I do is I read over a passage, and then in my journal, I write a lot, I write out intake. 
And then next to intake, I write out, what is this passage saying? Just what does it say? Not what I think it says, not the application of it, but just what is this about, right? So for our passage here, we can talk about Paul lists out the fruits of the flesh. He talks about how if we rely on the Spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. That's just what it says, right? That helps us get a clear picture of this passage in itself. Then I think about understanding. Okay, that's what it says. What does this mean? What's the principle I'm supposed to take from this passage? And then the next thing I write out is obey. In light of what this passage means, what am I supposed to do with it today? Not in theory, not just, oh, interesting theological thought, but today, how is God calling? God has somehow set up an intersection between my life and this passage this morning for a reason. What am I supposed to do with that? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the obedience is to ask God, how am I supposed to apply this this, this day? And God does. He shows me how to apply it each day. It's a pretty simple method, and there's a lot of other methods out there. Later tonight, after we all leave, I'll probably go back to my office here in a minute, and send out in our Discord spiritual walk channel just some other Bible study methods. So if you're looking for, man, how do I have a quiet time? Maybe that doesn't sound like it's going to gel with you. That's fine. But I want to send you some resources so that everybody here knows how to read your Bible. Because it's so important. It's so important to have that daily connection with God reflect on truth. Like whatever your method is, as long as you are reading scripture daily, reflecting on it and praying about it, you will experience growth. You just will. Even if you just read it, you'll experience more growth than if you're not reading it. And again, what I don't want you to think is, man, I just, if I read more, I'm more holy. No, if you're more connected, you're more filled with the presence of God and strengthened to say no to temptation and follow him fully. That's the goal here. That's what we want to do. We're not trying to set up a law here. We're trying to set up a healthy lifestyle. Think about it as if you're going to get on a train for the day. You wake up in the morning, you do your morning routine and everything like that. And then you're about to step on the train of your day. And it's going to take you off into work or school or whatever. It's going to go on and it's going to be crazy. There's going to be all sorts of stuff that happens. Too often, we treat our quiet time as if we're at the station with God we say, well, here we go. Wish me luck. See you later. I'll see you tomorrow at the station. Hopefully I make it, <laughs> right? Instead, what we can do is we can say, hey, God, come along. Let's step on the train together. Let's walk through this life together, which is what he's saying here. He's not saying, hey, just check in with God and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. What he's saying is walk with him. Walk through life with him. Take those steps. The next thing is weekly worship. Go to church. It's important. And it's important because it's important to be around other believers. Maybe some of you work on Sundays. I get that. But if you fi find a place like this or another worship service where you can worship in community with believers, it's important. There are times when I'm not feeling it, but I see somebody who really is. And it reminds me that, man, a connection with God is possible today. There's something powerful about that. Or there's times when I see somebody who is genuinely going through really, really hard stuff and they are worshiping. That just encourages me to worship as well. If you don't know the people around you in your community, you're missing out on worship. You are, because you're missing out on the beautiful stories that God is weaving all around you that you get to witness and glorify him for. If you feel like you don't have much to worship him about today, worship him in light of something he's done in your friend's life. Bring that up. Worship to him. 
Weekly worship is so, so important. God is worthy of our worship, and a weekly rhythm of worship is a great way to make sure that this happens. The next thing is a monthly communion. I've talked about this so many times, people are probably sick of it, but having unhurried time with God is so, so important. Time where you're not checking your watch, you're not on that train station platform, you're about to get get off into life, but instead you take some time away, maybe it's at a coffee shop, maybe it's at a park, maybe it's just a quiet space in your dorm somewhere, and you don't check your watch. You don't have an agenda, and you just sit there with God to hang out. You read your Bible, and you listen. We're a very distracted culture. Bring a paper Bible with you. If you don't have a paper Bible, we'll get you one. But if you bring your phone, it can be so easy to just kind of get distracted and go to something else. But take a breather. Take a breather. Take some time to really listen to God. Too often we don't hear from God because we simply just don't take the time. The time to sit there and listen for that still, small voice. Go on a walk with him. Yesterday, uh, I got to meet up with my good friend Rob. He was actually here a couple days ago. He's the director of Glowing Heart. Um, We just went for a walk at the park. It was really nice just to catch up, talk about video games we're playing, but also talk about what the Lord's doing in our lives. There's something nice about that, just going on a walk with a friend. You can go on a walk with God. Have you done that recently? Gone on a walk with God? I challenge you to do it. It's so, so helpful, so, so important. Share your heart with God and take time to hear his heart through the prompting of the Spirit. You'll be surprised at his voice if you listen for it. Then, finally, we've had this daily connection, this weekly worship, this monthly communion, but then encouraging community throughout. Weaving in and through this whole rhythm that you're building here, you have this community around you that's encouraging you to stay the course. Because it's a discipline to some extent, right? Reading your Bible, scheduling this out. If you don't schedule, it won't happen. We know that. We're adults. You should know that by now. Uh, if, if, if you don't schedule, it's not going to happen. Um, but by having community in your life that is encouraging you and lifting you up and praying for you when you need it, that helps you walk through this life. What Paul is getting at with all of this, when he talks about walking with the Spirit and not gratifying the desires of the flesh, it's this. He says, I know that God is so good that if you're really in his presence and you're really partaking of the fullness of that, none of this is going to compare. You're going to see it for what it really is. You're not going to want it. God has to change your tastes. He has to change your desires. And that takes time. And it takes exposure to his presence. And that's what these things do. The daily connection, the weekly worship, and the monthly communion. These things expose our hearts to the presence of God and allow him to transform us. More than just any to-do list of, hey, don't do the things on the flesh list of stuff. Just don't do it. Like More than that, have a desire to pursue the fruits of the Spirit. Have a desire that as you dwell in the presence of God, the cool thing is, is that you don't even have to pursue it. It just starts happening because of how glorious God is. Spend time in his presence and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The cool thing is, all of this stuff, by the way, is just another plug. 
we're going to get a chance to do all this stuff at the camp out. Every day, we're going to have connection with God. We're going to take some time to do some worship. And then we're also going to schedule in some time for unhurried time with God while we're there and just send you out into the campground and see how it goes. It's important. It's so, so important. Um, so if you're like, I don't know if I'm going to go camp out, you could test run all this. It's pretty fun. Um, all this is not so much to just like charge up your spiritual batteries, uh, but more it's about walking through life with God and that regular rhythm, as I said. Nothing else, if you need a visual picture, just imagine Jesus is walking next to you. Imagine that when you sit down in class, he's in the seat next to you. Imagine that if you're in your car alone, he's on that commute with you. He's at work. He's in the rehearsals and everything. He's there. He's watching. He's hanging out. He's listening, too. But what happens? All this is great. Cool, Connor. Awesome. But what about the times when we fall? What about when I mess up? How do I handle that? There's an opposition, right? And even Paul says, we don't do what we want to do. What happens then? And what are we supposed to make, in particular, verse 21? Can we lose our salvation? Is there some kind of danger there? No. You cannot lose what you did not earn. You can't do it. You can't lose your salvation. Romans 5.8 says this. Uh, I'll just read it here. It says, As God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You can't lose it. So yes, even if you fail, what Paul is really getting at here is that your life may exhibit the wrong kinds of fruit. Um, and if that's the case, then you need to make some changes. But um, you don't have to, to walk that out. You don't have to live in that. Um, I think at the heart of it, though, what he is saying is that if your life is exhibiting the fruits of the flesh, it might not be that you aren't saved, but it might call some things into question. Just as much as like an orange tree producing apples would be like, what is going on with that orange tree, right? You have to ask yourself, man, if, if my life is constantly producing these things, if when I sin I have no conviction from the Holy Spirit, you got to kind of take some stock for a second. If you're questioning those things, don't question that alone, by the way. Like, talk to me. Talk to memory. We're here for you. We want to walk through those questions with you. It's not an easy self-diagnosis kind of thing there. But keep in mind that truth. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. His love doesn't change. Paul is saying, hey, wake up. If you're, if you're doing this stuff, if you're exhibiting these kind of fruits, you need to wake up. I'm warning you. I'm trying to give you a check engine light in your life. Praise God, though, because we are among friends in this community that is not going to judge you, but instead walk alongside you and help you grow. Praise God that you're in a place like that. And it's neat that this is like a community. It'll help you walk deeper in your faith with God or help you get there for the first time. So, who are you walking through life with? I'm not just saying, hey, do you have friends? I'm not saying, do you have a significant other? What I'm saying is, 
Are you going it alone or are you going it with Jesus? Fundamentally, those are the two options. You walk through this life in your own strength and your own power and your own ability to say no, or are you leaning on the Holy Spirit? Does it feel like you're on your own? If you're a Christian, if you have turned your life over to Jesus, the truth is that you were not on your own. But you've got to submit your will. You've got to humble yourself and say, actually, I can't resist on my own. I need the Holy Spirit. I need him to guide me. God doesn't want you to walk through life alone. It's not his design for you. And he also doesn't want you to feel like you're alone. That's why he designed community. It was his idea of us to have friends and people to be in relationship with. Um, But to experience his best and fellowship with God, we have to repent. Repent means turn. If I'm walking this direction, I can't say, well, I repent, God. I'm really sorry. Right? To repent is to turn around. It's to make a difference. It's to make a change. It's not in your own strength. It's by the Holy Spirit. Have you made that turn? Have you turned back to God? Maybe you need to today. Maybe there's some sin that's unconfessed in your heart and you need to turn back. Today and right now is that sign from God to say, hey, turn back. It's not too late. Trust in him instead of trusting in yourself. Have you done that? Fundamentally, have you turned your life over to Jesus? You can do that tonight. We all want to live a good life in God's favor. And sin happens when we try to attain God's best on our own terms. I want to do it my way. To go back to our good friend C.S. Lewis, a much shorter quote, he says, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. You can't find it elsewhere. You might find momentary pleasure, you might find momentary happiness, but that deep down residing happiness and peace only exists in Jesus. Are you in a relationship with him or not? Fundamentally, God desires for you to live a rich life in fellowship with him. I don't mean wealth. I mean just a deep, deep relationship with God that is fundamentally fulfilling. We want that too, at the heart of it. So we try to find that in all other kinds of things. But it's from a connected life with God that abounds the kind of fruit of the Spirit Paul talks about later in this passage. If we want to cultivate a fruitful life, that is full of the best that God has for us, we have to put our trust in God. You have to do it. You have to turn from your own way. You have to give your life over to Jesus. So, tonight, a big question is, what fruit is your life cultivating? What are you feeding? Are you walking in a healthy relationship or not? We have a challenge and a question. Our challenge, that I would say, man, set up an accountability group text with the people in your group tonight to remind each other to read the Bible every day this week. This week, starting tomorrow. Maybe you read the book of Galatians. As I said, there's six chapters in it, one for each day until, you know, there's not. But anyway, uh, point being, 
I challenge you to do that. Maybe, maybe you don't do that. It's a challenge. It's on purpose. Maybe you already have a group that does that. Excellent. Uh, but maybe you need to reach out to somebody else in your group and say, hey, can I text you? Will you read the Bible? You're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret reading the Bible every day this week. And then the question that we ask every week, which is, what is your response to the word tonight? Maybe you need to turn to Jesus for the first time. You've been walking on your own for so long, and it's not working. Spoiler alert, it never will. Maybe you need to turn to Jesus tonight. Maybe you need to follow in baptism. We're going to be celebrating a baptism this Sunday, by the way. It's going to be great. You should be there. Um, maybe you need to get accountability for your daily, weekly, and monthly walk with God. Maybe you say, you know what, I've got the daily stuff down, right? Maybe even I'm really good at coming weekly, but man, this month I really want to have some unhurried time with God. Maybe you need to get some accountability for that to happen and schedule it out. What will you do with the lesson tonight? Thank you.